Let's read the Bible together. That's on your second sheet. Um, and we, we're picking this up from where we left off last week, started into a series through the Old Testament book uh, or, um, called Jonah. Um, if you've been around church, if, you, if you've maybe been to Sunday school as a kid or something like that, no doubt you're probably familiar uh, with the, the story of Jonah or something about it. This is the guy that got swallowed by a fish. Uh, but there's more to Jonah than meets the eye. But anyway, let's read together. Um, we're going to pick it up where we left off last week. And we're just going to look together um, over the next few minutes at Jonah chapter 2. After which time there's an opportunity for uh, the kids to go out for their kids, kids group. We're going to actually read the last verse of Jonah chapter 1. Just to set the context. This is God's word. The Lord, it says, appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then it says in verse 1, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed over me in a in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up, uh, out upon the dry land. This is God's word. Jonah chapter 2. Who, who is Jonah, if you weren't with us last week? Uh, jo- Jonah is the, um, the prophet from Israel. Remember, he was called to go and speak to a a great city called Nineveh uh, in the Assyrian Empire, so not in Israel, not in his home territory. He was called to go somewhere else. And he was called to bring with him God's message of of justice and God's message of of mercy. All right? Uh, Do you remember last week we saw that the city were doing evil things and evil things were going on and and it came up to God and he said, right, enough. I can't can't, uh, leave you in this state. I'm going to come. I'm going to come and, and bring you this message of mercy. And so he called this prophet called Jonah to go with this message to the people of Nineveh, uh, this message of mercy and justice. Uh, but we saw last week that Jonah did the exact opposite. God called him to go sort of northeast, and he went southwest. He got on a boat and tried to get himself as far away from God as he could. Uh, but do you remember then this massive storm came up, threatened everyone in the boat. All were about to die. The storm was, was uh, incredibly fierce. Because God was angry with Jonah, because Jonah made wrong choices, and, and Jonah eventually said, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And it said immediately then, at that moment, the sea became calm, and there was peace, and the boat was saved. One man sacrificed so that the boat could be saved. And so that's where we um, pick up the story uh, from, from this week. And, and uh, really, I, just, I suppose I want to you know, give you two headlines um, from, from this, the, these verses that we'll look at together, um, which I hope will help, help us and encourage you. Uh, the first headline is, is, is that God hears your prayers from the darkness. The first thing I want to say, God hears your prayers from the darkness. 
And the second thing I want to show as we go through is God provides you salvation in the darkness. All right, so he not only hears you from the darkness, but he provides salvation, he saves you in your darkness. And that's what he did to Jonah, and that's what he will do for us. And after we're done with those two headlines, we're going to just then try and press the implications of those things into our hearts and minds um, as we close out. So first of all, God hears your prayers from the darkness. Um, we, I suppose if you were reading this story for the first time, you would assume that Jonah would have died. You know, he, he entered the water, uh, which was bad enough itself. Um, it, was, it was really stormy, you know, um, possibly like tsunami-like uh, in, in, its, uh, in its ferocity. And then it says at the end of chapter one, which I put it in there on your sheet just so you know, God, it says, appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Right? He was having a really bad day. Um, he was having a really bad day. He's like, right, that's it. I'm done. Throw me over. He, he knew that that would most likely mean that he was, well, he, that was going to die. Uh, and he thought he was going to die by drowning. But actually, as it happened, it got worse because not only is the terrifying storm there, uh, hurled into the swirling waters, this sea creature appeared from, from goodness knows where and swallowed him. I think this is the stuff of nightmares. I don't know if you've ever had that sort of dream or recurring dream. I sometimes do where I'm swimming in some sort of, you know, uh, psychologists among you might think, oh my goodness, but uh, swimming in dark waters, you know, not sure what's going on. You're aware of stuff underneath and this big sort of silent mass of a thing comes up and, and, and tries to swallow you. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but that's what seems to be going on here anyway in, in the situation uh, of, of Jonah. Uh, not only was he potentially going to be suffocated and, and drowned, but also chewed to pieces by a huge whale of some, some sort of creature like that. We're not told exactly what it was. Anyway, that seems to be the scenario that we face here. Uh, Jonah was expecting death at any moment, as would you and I in that position. Uh, he descended into the depths, not only into the depths of the sea, but into the depths of the belly of this huge fish. And then what happens? A few moments pass by, and nothing. A few more moments, a few more seconds, and he's not dead yet. He can still breathe. It stinks. Of course it does. But he's still alive. There he is in the darkness, panting, wondering what is going, am I dead? Is this, is, this, is this what it's like to be in heaven? I don't know, am I dead? No, he's still alive. Minutes go by, and minutes become hours. And there he is, sat there in the belly of this huge fish, still breathing, still alive, just. And it says he was there for three days and three nights. And it says in verse 1, and really the bulk of chapter 2 is, is, is his prayer. That's what we're reading, it's his prayer. It's actually uh, the, the reason why it looks a bit sort of um, uh, unsettled on you know, the way it's been laid out is because it's a poem, possibly even a song, but it's a prayer, poetry. It says in verse 1, he prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He had air in his lungs. He had oxygen in his brain. He had an opportunity to think. He had an opportunity to collect his thoughts. And what did he do? He cried out to God in the darkness. It says in verse 2, he called out to God. He says in, later on, from the belly of Sheol, which is like a place of death, from the, from the belly of death, I cried out to you. That's what he says. We get, we get a glimpse, don't we, of what was going through his mind after this amazing 24 hours that he's just had. 
we get we get a glimpse into his heart, what's going on. He describes um, what what it was like for him. He says in verse three, for example, I, I went into the deep. It says this flood surrounded me. These, these waves and these billows, you know, passed over me. It's almost like he's going down into the grave. In verse five, he said, the waters closed in over me to take my life. That was his experience. He thought he was he thought he was dead. He thought he was a goner. He thought to himself, there is, there is no way out of this one. I'm, I'm, I'm never coming out. And literally, actually, the Hebrew, uh, this idea of being the waters closed in over me to take my life, uh, literally, the original Hebrew uh, language it, it, it entails this idea of the water enveloping me to my throat, covering me, almost like we would say, you're up to your neck in it. That's how he felt. And even in the second half of verse 5, seaweed, he had seaweed around his head. You know, he's probably covered in goodness knows what this fish had been eating. He says he, he was taken, as it were, down to the root of the mountains, down to the, in his idea, the, the lowest part of the earth, down to the root of the mountains. He says, the place where the, your, the bars closed over me forever. I've been stuck in this prison. Can't get any lower. This watery, watery prison. He's in there. He's, he's as deep and as dark and as low as he can go. He is trapped. And he thought that that was going to be him forever. That, that's where he thought he was going to stay and remain for the rest of his life, in that place, that prison. That's how he thought it would end for him. I wonder what you're thinking of as, as we talk through these things, what's going through your mind as you hear this. Uh, maybe to you it sounds like a scene from Jaws. You know, if you've ever read the book Moby Dick, this, this, this terrifying sea monster. Maybe... Though, as, as we think and as you read these things, you can, you can relate a bit more personally uh, to, to what Jonah's experiencing here. Uh, perhaps you've been in a situation like this, maybe not with the fish and the storm, um, but a situation when your life has in some way been at risk, or the life of a loved one, you know, through injury, or through illness, or some terrible situation where you feel like you've been staring down the barrel, and you think, That's, this is it, this is my moment, this is how it's going to end. I'm a goner. You sort of relate a bit to what Jonah's saying, being stuck in this watery grave. There's no way out. I'm, I'm as low as I can go. Maybe for others, you can relate to his sense of drowning, of, of darkness, and, 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 and that could be something of a metaphor maybe for our life experience from time to time. Maybe something you have been through, a situation you have been through in the past, or maybe a situation you are currently in as we sit here and read these things together. When you say to yourself, it feels just like this. My experience feels just like this at the moment. Maybe it's a circumstance in your life. Maybe it's, as I said, something from your past. Perhaps you feel stuck in some sort of controlling behavior or controlling even addiction to something or other. You feel like you're drowning, like the Bible describes here. You feel like the life has been sucked out of you. You feel like you can't take a breath. You feel like there's nothing around you but darkness. Well, that's how Jonah felt. If you're, if you're visiting with us this morning, by the way, you might be sitting here thinking, goodness me, Christians are a bit depressing, aren't they? You know, they're talking about all this stuff here. It's not what I came in for. They're supposed to, they're supposed to encourage me and build me up, not... not but I, the reason why we're saying this and the reason why we're reading this together today is because the Bible is realistic 
It doesn't, it doesn't airbrush life. Um, we can't avoid experiences like this, living in the world that we live in, the fallen world, imperfect as it is. And so, and so actually, I think that, that many of us can relate to some of the experiences that we see here at some point in our lives to varying degrees. So, you know, these things are not intended to depress you. They're, they're intended to help you connect with what God has done and, and will do and continue to do and what he wants to do uh, for you. So if, you, if you're reading this account and, and, and thinking of these words and you're saying, yes, that's me, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Well, I relate very strongly to something that's been said. The reason why we're doing this today is because God hears your prayers from the darkness. If you are in that place, he hears your cry. He hears your prayers. And, and the, the point with this prayer, and, and we'll see this in a few moments, but particularly in verse 9, he, he describes this situation, but then he ends up saying, thank you to God. So the point is not to depress one another and make you feel rotten about yourself, even worse. The point is to press forward and say, like Jonah has done, I found a way out. The, the darkness isn't going to define me. This is how it was. I thought I was a goner. I thought I had blown it. But then I called out to God in the darkness. And he heard me. That's what he does. And let me say this to you very directly as well. The same God that heard Jonah's cry from the darkness is the same God who hears your cry in your darkness. He hasn't changed a bit. It's the same God. Jonah says, I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. Right? Out of the belly of, of Sheol, out of the belly of death. And you heard my voice. He does hear you. When you call out to him and when you ask him to come and rescue you and just say, look, help me, I'm, str- I'm, I'm, I'm drowning here. I wonder if you have prayed to him in the darkness. I wonder if you've said something like, help me God, save me. Maybe you don't even have the words to say. It's just a groan or a cry or, or a desperate thing. Lift me out of this mess. If you're there and you can hear me, do something. But look at Jonah. Whilst he still had air in his lungs and blood in his veins, he cried out to God and God heard him. So if you're in this position today, let me say to you, don't confuse your darkness with death. It's not the same thing. No matter what your circumstances are, whatever situation you might find yourself in, whatever experiences you've had, either things that have been done to you or things that you have done, as long as you have air in your lungs, you can use it to cry out to God and he'll hear you in the darkness. God hears your prayers from the darkness. Before we move on, let me just make this point crystal clear if that's okay, because it's so, so important. He hears you in the darkness Therefore, you don't need to pray a million prayers and hope that one of them eventually gets through. Jonah cried out. God heard him. It was one prayer. God heard him. He said, help me, God, and God responded. God heard him instantly. Okay? So when you're calling out to God, he hears you. He will hear you. It's us that finds it hard to acknowledge sometimes. But he hears you. So call out to him. So don't need to pray a million prayers. He will hear every, every word you utter. The second thing is, if God hears your prayers from the darkness, he will act in response. 
he will act in response. It's not just a casual conversation. You're not just updating him on your current situation. It is that, of course. But he knows that. And when God hears something, it implies action. When he hears of need, he, 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 is, he moves towards it. That's why Jonah says at the end, salvation belongs to the Lord. We could say salvation is God's middle name. That's what he does. So when you cry out to God, he acts in response to your cry. He hears your prayers from the darkness. First headline. You with me? Amen. Uh, the second headline then that we're going we're gonna to really uh, go on this morning is God provides salvation in the darkness. He hears you from the darkness, right? But he, he provides salvation in the darkness. He comes to you. He comes to the belly of the fish. Jonah, literally and metaphorically, and we could say spiritually, was pretty much as low as he could go. Right? There's no further lower than he could have gone. Um, but, but at that place, as, as terrible and terrifying as that is, that's the turning point. When you hit rock bottom. Hit, hit, and here, here is the good news that we're going to focus on. Here, here is the reason why, as a church community, we can be honest before God and one another. We can be honest about how we are really going on. We can be honest about our experience in life and what is really dragging us down, our darkness and our distress. We can be honest because of this. In verse 6, uh, look with me towards the end. It says, I went down to the... Uh, sorry, yes. Um, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. By the way, it's prison bars, right? Not, not, not like last orders. Uh, whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life from the pit when I was fainting away. I remembered God. He brought my life up from the pit. He's saying, you rescued me. You, you heard my cry and you answered it. You reached down, is what Jonah is saying here, and you brought me up. That's what God does. And how did he do that? Well, we've seen the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, to take him to that place. And then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited him out on dry land. As you see, the fish all along was, was part of God's rescue plan. It was part of God's workings with Jonah. It was in the darkness of the fish that Jonah was able to cry out to God. All right, so salvation for Jonah came from within the darkness. It wasn't that Jonah sort of got vomited out and, and, and cleaned up his life and then God accepted him. It was in the place of darkness that God reached down and rescued him. Salvation. The word salvation is something you will hear Christians and churches talking about a lot. Right? It's a word that we sing about. You know, um, Christians say, are you saved? Have you received salvation? But what does it mean when, when we use that word? What, what does it mean when you hear that? We're singing about it. I mean, salvation is, is a catch-all phrase. To, to describe this amazing concept that's, that's painted for us in the Bible. It's kind of like an um, umbrella term. Um, because in the Bible, for example, God rescues his people. That's a form of salvation. He rescues them by removing them from harm. So rescue. Uh, he, he delivers them by bringing them through trials and, and, and bringing them to a place of peace and tranquility. That's salvation. The Bible speaks of freedom. God frees people from being enslaved to something or someone to a place of life. The Bible speaks about healing from disease and disordered lives to a place of complete completeness, 
of being made whole. Again, that's salvation. He talks about, the Bible talks about reconciliation, being an enemy of God and one another, and being brought back to him, that's salvation. The Bible talks about being cleansed. Before him, we are morally unrighteous, morally dirty, all of us, and yet he makes us perfectly clean and resplendent and gorgeous in his eyes because of Jesus. That's salvation. Uh, the Bible talks about being forgiven, being adopted, being born again, being justified. All these terms and many more are described under this umbrella of salvation, being saved. And it's this beautiful idea. And it's, it's complicated and it's wonderful and it's freeing. And it's the kind of salvation that the Bible says is only available in God. It is deep, going to the innermost parts of our lives. And it is wide, affecting all of life to the outermost parts of the world. That's the impact of the saving, saving work of God. But the great, the great thing with that, and the reason why I'm highlighting this, is because the Christian faith, which is all about salvation, this amazing, multicolored, life-giving, deep and wide salvation, that salvation is available to us today, to you. It's amazing. It's something that you can access right now. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's where we get this from. You, you can access that right now, and it will produce real and lifelong sustained changes in your life. So the question I suppose then we want to ask one another and think is, is how do we know that the salvation that Jonah experienced is available to us? How is it available to you? How, how do we know this is not just Jonah's private experience that we can be, oh, that's interesting, thank you for that. How do we know this more than that? How do we know it's something that we can experience, we can enter into, and we can do that today? Because if we don't, this is just a, a nice story. It's just a historical account. It's about what God has done for someone else. But, 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 but then it has no power in us. It, it, it can't help us out. In, uh, later on in the Bible, um, many hundreds of years later, Jesus appears on the scene. And uh, he was debating with some uh, religious leaders and uh, they were trying to catch him out. They were asking him to do more miracles. Uh, just do another miracle, Jesus, and then we'll believe in you. Then we'll believe you are the Messiah. And G Jesus knew that no amount of signs and miracles was going to change their heart. They didn't want that. It wasn't, it wasn't going to open their, their thinking, their minds. You know, some people are like that, right? They, 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 they're not going to believe. It doesn't matter how, how, much, how many signs you show them. And Jesus said to this group of religious leaders, he said, the only sign I'm going to give you, it's coming up on the screen, is the sign from the prophet Jonah. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So what Jesus was doing many years later was pointing to this Old Testament book, the story of Jonah, and he is saying to, to those who are listening, what happened to Jonah is a sign of what will happen to me very soon. Jo Jonah and his experience was foreshadowing what I'm about to do, says Jesus. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, right down the heart of the earth. I will be three days in the heart of the earth, in the grave. 
In fact, Jesus says, I will go down to greater depths than those that Jonah experienced. Jonah experienced the darkness of the storms and the waters. I will experience, as Jesus, deeper darkness. Yet, I will experience being cut off from God. He felt like he was cut off from God. I truly will be cut off from God. Jonah came close to death but survived. I shall go through death myself and be raised at the resurrection. That's what Jesus was saying. And and, and so we see this play out at the cross. Jesus cried out to God in the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he got no answer in return. He was separated from God in ways that Jonah could not know. Jesus went down to the pit. He went down to the belly of Sheol, if you like. Jesus went where we should go, where we find ourselves through our situation, through our decisions, through our fallenness, through our rebelliousness, through our sin. We deserve to go into the pit, quite frankly to be cut off from God. We run from him. We deliberately turn away from him. But it says, God, who is rich in mercy, he came down to save us. He came down to join us in the darkness. He stepped into our distress and our mess and our sorrow and he took it upon himself. That's what Jesus was doing when he went to the cross and went to the grave, stepped into your and my darkness. This is the good news of the Christian message, by the way. Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jesus went down into the depths. He was cut off from God instead of us. And yet he rose on the third day and he appeared to Mary Magdalene, a woman with history, a woman who had had, had turmoil in her life, And he spoke her name. And she clung to him. That's how we know that Jonah isn't just an interesting story that we tell the kids in Sunday school. Because it describes very graphically the salvation that is available to us, to you. Jesus went through deeper darkness than anyone will ever know so that he can lift you up. He calls you by name. And he comes to your rescue. And see, when we see what Jesus did, when we know that we can cry out, save me, heal me, help me, restore me, he will do that. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus is the greater Jonah. He takes your darkness and instead he gives you you life. He takes you from the depths and he gives you breath. So chapter 2 shows us that God hears our prayers from the darkness. But it also shows that God provides salvation in the darkness. He comes to you. He does that through his son, Jesus. As we close out, then I just want to press this a little further. And I want to try and help us to understand the difference that this makes. If we understand this and we let it sink in to our hearts, the deepest part of ourselves, what is the difference when we take Christ by faith and we see that what he did on the cross applies to me and, and, and we believe and trust that, that, that he has the power to do that? What difference will it make? I'll give you three to, to go and maybe think about as, we, as, as, you know, as you go home later. 
The first difference, when you understand this and realize it applies to you, the first difference is your darkness will be transformed. Um, in some ways, you'll be able to see in the dark. If you understand what Jesus has done, when you, when you, when you, when you, it'll help you to see your own sufferings and trials in a very different light. It doesn't take them away. Maybe not instantly. Maybe it does. But it helps you and me to remember that as deep and as dark as it seems, that darkness is not final. It is not ultimate. It does not define you. Instead, because of Jesus, he went further and deeper than you and I will ever go. You have strength, you have life, you have air, you have oxygen. So call out to him. Your darkness will be transformed. You will see things differently. The second implication, I suppose, from this teaching is that you will, once you understand Jesus and you understand that he is the greater Jonah, you will want to do something in response to that. You will want to give your life to him. Do you see in verse 9? It says, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, <coughs> I will pay back. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jo- Jonah realized and ex- received and experienced the salvation of God, reaching into the darkness. And, and he didn't just say, well, thanks, thanks very much. I can carry on living as I please. He said, because of how far down you have come to reach me and how much life you have given me and how much you've done to save me, I, what can I do but give my entire life back to you as thanks and as praise and as worship? Everything that I do uh, must talk and honor and, and point to what you've done for me. Thanksgiving, worship. You didn't hold anything back from me. How can I hold anything back from you? That's what you will say when you understand what Jesus has done for you. And when you get that, it opens this new way of life, right? This, this new sort of radical way. Your life becomes a thanks offering to God. How you spend your money, how you spend your time, what, what uh, relationships you invest in, will all become part of your thanksgiving. Thank you, God. It reorientate and rejig your life. So secondly, you'll give your life in service to God. And thirdly, when you understand what Jesus has done for you, and you experience something of his salvation, you will have, number three, peace like a river. Such peace. You, you, will, you will receive, either instantly or, or with time, this enormous ability to cope with depths and darkness that you never had before. You, you will be able to say, when you understand Jesus and you, you, you come to him in faith, you will be able to sing like the words of this old song, when peace like a river attends my soul, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That peace will be yours. The, the writer of this hymn was a man called Horatio Spafford, and we don't know, maybe he drew on something of the imagery in Jonah chapter 2. And perhaps you're familiar with those words from that hymn, and, and maybe if you've just heard them for the first time, it might sound a bit trivial to you, maybe a bit twee. But if anyone knew of darkness and distress, it was Horatio Spafford, the writer of that hymn. His, his life was seemingly one tragedy upon another. He, he, um, he was an American lawyer. He was a follower of Jesus. 
Um, he was based in Chicago. He taught Sunday school in his church. He was on the board of a local Bible college. Religious guy. It says in 1873, he and his family were, were scheduled to travel from the States to, to Europe. And um, Spafford himself was delayed by business, so he sent his wife and his daughters ahead of him on the French ocean liner Ville du Havre. Havre. But as, as the ship was, was mid-Atlantic, the ship collided with another English ship called the Lockern on November the 22nd, 1873. And it sank within 12 minutes. Spafford's wife was saved, but his four daughters perished. And so after arriving in, in Wales, Mrs. Spafford cabled her husband with these two words. Saved. Alone. And then Spafford got on a boat and went to meet her. And near the, the tragic scene on the high seas in the mid-Atlantic, near to the area where the original boat went down, he wrote the words of this hymn. So how is it that Spafford who knew such darkness and distress can say when peace like a river attends my soul. The answer is in the second verse because he writes this. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. He saw Jesus on the cross and raised to life and he knew that his darkness was transformed. His life was given in service to God and he had peace like a river. Do you want that peace? Do you, do you need rescue and salvation? Well, then call out to the God who hears you and who has done something about it. Amen.